Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We're here once again live. Uh, alhamdulillah, I'll be waiting for just a few moments before uh, we will connect to Sheikh Adnan, inshallah. So the topic today will basically be on belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how people begin to doubt their faith in Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal, their maker the one who made them in the first place. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me questions as to uh, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests them, etc. So inshallah, we'll try and address a few of these issues with Sheikh Adnan. ta'ala. I've just seen that he's joined. Uh, I'll try and request him to join today. Um, Bismillah. Okay. Okay, Bismillah. So the topic today will be doubts in belief and faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you, Sheikh Adnan? Alhamdulillah, how are you? I hope you're well and I hope everybody else who's following are all well. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I'm very well and uh, the same goes, I hope they're all doing okay, mashallah. Uh, so, so today's topic uh, is based on basically a personal experience where people have been asking me, why me? Why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chosen to test me? Why am I going through these problems? And uh, ultimately, there are certain people who then say that I'm beginning to doubt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, why has he, you know, placed me in this type of situation when he is able to, to remove me from it and deliver me from it? So, uh, what, what would you have to say to such a person who's beginning to question their very belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they've been tested again and again and again and again? I think as we've uh, spoken and discussed in private before, this is a long topic and there's a lot of different ways to look at it. So when it comes to a person, obviously anything in life, whatever you do in life, let's take a step back from religion. Whatever you do in life, you are not going to have it the way you want. It's not going to be completely easy. And look at your day-to-day -day life. Whatever you want, does it happen the way you want it to happen? No, it doesn't. So if you accept that in your day-to-day -day life, in your job, at home with your family, not every day, days go up and days go down. Some days are for you, some days you could say against you. If you could accept that there and you say it's part of life, what about the test of Allah? Can't you understand or don't you, uh, can't you accept that that's also part of your test? Subhanallah. You know, uh, for me, I find there's a lot of solace and peace in the ayah uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was creating insan. And he says, He told the malaika that I'm making a successor on earth. Are you placing on earth those who will cause a lot of corruption and spill blood? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his response is profound. And in that lies the faith of a believer. He says, I know that which you don't know. So yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the reasons that we were created for. And that is for his worship and for his ibadah, 100%. If there are any reasons beyond that, which I feel is highlighted in this ayah, and you may correct me if I may be wrong, that 
I know why, uh, that which you don't know. So our minds are too small to fathom fully the reasons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us beyond those which he gave to us. So in that is the submission of a believer to his maker. Adding to what you've said, maybe I would word it a little bit differently to say, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he created us and he mentioned the reason why he created us. He told us what we need to know. I've created you. It's a test. Uh, who has the best uh, worship as mentioned in the tafsir those who are most sincere when they are doing the acts of worship they do it for Allah alone and number two they do it according to the sunnah according to what was taught by the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam so as you mentioned that when one realizes this when one realizes that I have not been placed on earth permanently, I'm here, I have a mission, and it will eventually come to an end. My life will come to an end. Surely you've got to be thinking, all those people who passed before me, all those people who I know and who will pass, uh, pass away in roughly the same time, those who will come after me, if somebody is doubting, start thinking about these people. What happened to them? Is there really... Was they really something that they needed to do? You know, when you search and you ask yourself, you ask yourself that question, especially one who has doubt, you slowly start realizing that there's something bigger to life. You realize that you've been sent here on a mission. Yes, and when we look at the perfection of the earth and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfected not only earth but insan as well, uh, we come to realize that there is a maker out there and he's in his infinite wisdom. He's created the earth and he's made checks and balances. And ultimately he gave us free will. So in that free will, a human being finds that he then decides to pick up a, a sword or to pick up uh, a weapon and harm another human being, cause destruction on earth. So it is ultimately that free will that led him to do what he wants to do. So a person, the one who wants to, he will believe. The one who doesn't want to, he will disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we know, and this is what I find a lot of, uh, you know, solace in as well, is that we're ultimately headed towards death. And that is a fact that has been, nobody can deny. So your soul leaves the body. What happens to the soul? Where does it go? Science doesn't answer that for us. That's where your faith and your belief in your maker comes in. He's told you that you're returning to me. And this period that you've been on earth is a testing period. And this only this is the only logical answer to a person who sits and thinks about it rationally as well. Because if you look at all of the theories out there, they don't make sense. They ultimately, they, 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 they have been defeated in the past, not only by faith, but people of logic and sense as well. So uh, those who claim that it started from a Big Bang, how did that, the, the matter that was there, they say there, there was some matter. How did that start in the first place? You know, where did that come from? They don't have the answers to that. So something cannot come out of nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who awjada min al-adab. He creates from 
nothing. So there is a beginning to that actual matter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who originates it. He places it into existence. You know, you mentioned a very interesting point about the soul. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الرُّوحِ O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they're asking you about the soul. قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Basically, the soul is from Allah. The knowledge we've been given is very limited. When it comes to doubts, when it comes to this disbelief, a lot of people who have it, it's because they are looking at the advances that have been made when it comes to science. As you mentioned, let them try and explain the soul. They've got no real answer. What happens to it? In fact, they've got no answer. A question that you should ask yourself is, for somebody who has doubts, if science has progressed so far, why can't they bring people back from those who have died? Why can't they bring them back? Why can't they resurrect them? Why can't they prevent people from dying, even though they claim to have gone so far? For me, when looking in the Quran, especially the last juz, the 30th juz of the Quran, I found that in every surah, whether directly or indirectly, death is mentioned. It's like Allah is preparing you. That you know what, there's a day, it's going to come and it's going to happen. There's no way to run away from it. You can't run away from it, so you might as well prepare for it. As for those who have doubts, well, show us somebody who's been able to live all these years. Where is the cure or where is the medicine? Mm. They've got nothing and they will never be able to have it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that giving life and taking away life is from, is from his powers, basically. He is the one who ultimately decides. Subhanallah, subhanallah. So basically, even death is something, uh, death is something that they didn't cure and they will not be able to cure. So someone will not be able to live forever. Why? Why haven't they been, uh, why haven't, why aren't they able to do this? And the same goes for this uh, pandemic that has spread out there. Uh, you find that it's a virus that the naked eye cannot see, a normal microscope, uh, microscope cannot see. And at the same time, so you cannot see it through a normal microscope. And at the same time, because of the effects of it, they believe that the virus exists. So the same goes. You see the effects of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creatures that he has made. You see the mountains, the rivers, the systems, the cardiovascular system within you, the respiratory system, how they work in conjunction with each other. And we are saying that that points to a maker a, uh, of all of this. And they are saying, no, 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 we can't see him, so we don't believe in him. But then why do you believe in the virus? It also has effects. You can't see it, but you believe in it. You know, adding to what you've mentioned, there's no excuse for somebody to look away from the signs of Allah. The other day I was reading the verse in the second Jews where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna fi samawati wal ardi. Basically, Allah is speaking about the creation of the heavens and the earth and what's underneath and what's in the air and what's on the sea. If you look at that verse and others which are similar, it's as though Allah is saying that wherever you look, you want to look up, you want to look down, you want to look around you, there is a sign for you to contemplate. He then goes on to say in another verse, Also in yourselves, as you mentioned, the cardiovascular system, if you just take one organ and you try to study it, how intricate it is, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it, there is, you know, I can't put it into words, you can't do anything except submit. 
you know that there's somebody who created this. There is a being who is all powerful. He is one and he deserves to be worshipped. Ultimately, he did create us and we owe our worship to him. Uh, it's amazing. It's good to have these discussions because as I was saying, you know, uh, previously it wasn't addressed. A lot of people didn't talk about these things. But uh, the problem is that many, many, many people actually are questioning a lot, of, a lot more than before are questioning. So it needs to come to the forefront. We need to speak about these uh, issues. You know, uh, I'd like to ask you a question about the ayah. Perhaps if you, if you have a bit more knowledge on it, you could enlighten us where the Anbiya, it says, until the messenger and those who believed with him. Uh, where is the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near. So, can, can you define near to us uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means by near? We must remember that the way things happen is not in our time preference or our time frame. It's mentioned that when Musa alayhi salam, as we know, he was a Nabi, he was a prophet of Allah. When he made dua against Fir'aun, imagine he is making dua. His brother Harun, who is also a prophet, he is saying Amin, and it is though he is making dua. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the very next ayah, I accepted your dua. Some of the Mufassireen mentioned, you know, let's ponder over this. Sometimes we hasty. A Nabi is making dua. Another Nabi is saying, Amin. On top of it, Allah says, and I've accepted your dua. Some of the Mufassirin say that when did Musa and Harun see the actual destruction of Fir'aun? Some of them say after 40 years. Four, zero. Not one, four. 40 years. And here Nabi is making dua. And another Nabi is saying, Amin. And Allah says he accepted the dua. So sometimes we are impatient. Another thing we have to look at the bright side or the better side. You know, sometimes things happen in your life and you don't realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching you something or preparing you for something bigger, which you may only look back on your life two, three, four years later and realize that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Someone once, to, once had a very interesting take on life. Uh, an older man, we were sitting together and he says to me that, you know, you cannot connect the dots going forward you have to connect them going backwards. It's only when you've been through uh, so many years of life that you sit back and say, Allah took me from here to there, to there, to there. And this is why it happened. It, it didn't usually make sense to a person that, hey, this is how my life has gone. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did X, Y, and Z. That's when you begin to understand uh, what's going on in your life in reality. So sometimes we see something as bad yet it is good for us. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You may despise something, yet it is uh, good for you. Uh, a, a practical explanation of this, or you know, a practical example of this was a man who was telling me that he was once traveling on a road and he was moving at a reasonably high speed. And he says, a chicken darted across the road and I braked sharply and slowed down. And he says, Wallahi, as I came around the corner, there was a cow there. 
had I been speeding really fast and, and gone into that cow, perhaps I would have died. I don't know what would have happened. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the chicken for him to slow down. At the time, you see it as something bad. You may have knocked that chicken. Something may have happened to it. You see it as something bad. But in the grand scheme of things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows better and he knows best. Adding to what you've said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Do the people think that basically it's enough to just say, I believe, I believe, and they won't be tested? In some of the ahadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions that those who were tested the most were the anbiya, basically those who were closest to Allah, the best of the best. And then those who are closer to them, those who are better, those who are better have more difficult tests. Also, what's important to mention is that there's many virtues and rewards mentioned for those who go through these difficult times. In the hadith where Rasulullah said, even if a thorn had to prick a believer and he is patient, he knows it's from Allah, basically he'll be rewarded for that or some of his sins will be forgiven. So wherever you look, you are always in a win-win situation. Something good happens, alhamdulillah. Something bad happens, Again, alhamdulillah, or alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. It could have been worse. And also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he may be testing you because he knows there is a position in Jannah that is for you. And if you were left with your own deeds to try and get there, you would not reach. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tests you and tries you in ways so your rank is elevated. Yes, subhanallah. And uh, I also find that you know, if a child were to come to us or a person were to come to us and say, I know engineering, I know uh, architecture, let me build this building for you, let me design it for you. We tell them you're mad, you need to go through the tests, we need to see your certificates, what's happening. Uh, and then he says, no, but I haven't been through school, but I know. Would you trust that person? No. So at this, in the same breath, why are you then saying that, you know, I believe, yet I don't want the tests? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test you. Do they think that they will be left? That we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yet we will not be tested. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing you. And based on whether you pass or fail that test, you will ultimately uh, succeed or fail. You know, something interesting, it's mentioned that Imam al-Shafi rahimahullah was asked, is it better for a person to be tested or is it better for him, you know, just to get to the top immediately? You know, he's got to say, he's heard, everything's going his way. He says, Basically, you won't get to wherever you want to reach. You won't get to a good position or you want to achieve something in life. You won't get there until you've been tested. It's part of the process. So even when you look at the stories of the Anbiya, Musa alayhi salam, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they were all tested before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them more. Yet they were the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Absolutely. It's been a lovely session, Sheikh Adnan. Uh, it may have been slightly short, but alhamdulillah, our other sessions. But please go ahead. Go ahead. When you uh, had mentioned earlier about sometimes people feel that I haven't been given a choice. Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create somebody if he knew that he was going to paradise or he was not going to paradise. One of the answers is, it's completely logical. If you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
you believe that he is able to do all things and he knows everything. So by him giving you a choice does not contradict the fact that he is all knowledgeable and he knows how you will use that choice. So here there's two different things. There's your choice, whether you want to go here, you want to eat this meal, you want to eat at this restaurant or that restaurant. The choice is there. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because he is all knowing, he knows what you will do. So there is no contradiction. You have not been forced to do anything here. Yes, that choice, uh, I find that one of the biggest evidences for me is that we feel it. It's something that is clearly tangible. Uh, you want to raise your hand, you raise it, you can. You want to do something, you can do it. Uh, you want to eat, you want to walk, you can. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you that choice. Uh, if, if a person says that they were forced, then in that case, laws don't make sense. So why would we punish a person who has committed murder because he was forced? So why don't you use the same argument? Uh, in other instances, you know, you're only using it when it comes to uh, belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think only a person with, uh, you know, very little uh, sense would say that they don't have uh, free will and uh, choice. Yes, and added to that is Islam has a lot of uh, belief in the unseen, what happens after death, uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed, etc. The very first uh, sifa, the very first quality of the believers mentioned in the Quran are those who, those who believe in the unseen. Yes, you have a free will. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all knowledgeable. He knows what you will do. And on top of it, you will not be able to escape that qadr or decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Basically, you have to submit. There's a lot of submission when it comes to Islam and a lot of people don't realize this. Yes, there's submission and not everything should be questioned. So the how of something shouldn't always be questioned. There are certain things you can question and there's others where it comes to the unseen where you can't say how will this happen or how will that happen? Because Allah hasn't given us that knowledge and it's unseen for that very reason. Like unseen, you don't know, you don't see it. What's the point of believing in something that you've already seen? Because now when you see it, you know it exists. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left it unseen. Also in that is a test uh, for a human being. As you mentioned, also in the hadith of uh, Qiyam al-Sa'ah, the signs of the hour, one of the signs, as we know, is the sun will rise from the west. In the hadith, it mentions once the people all see that, then they all believe. They'll all realize that, you know what, this happened and this was true, but it will be too late. Yeah, Jazakallah khair. I think we've had a good session. Anything you'd like to add uh, before we sign off, inshallah? That's about it, unless there's any questions that uh, are mentioned in the comments. Otherwise, Jazakumullahu uh, Khairan. Yes, uh, perhaps let's give them a few moments uh, and let's just go through a few of these comments. MashaAllah, a lot of people saying Assalamu Alaikum, Wa Alaikum Assalam, Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh to all of you. Uh, may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala reward you as well for joining us. Uh, it's been lovely coming online with you guys and. Uh, Perhaps, inshallah, one of the days we'll have a session with uh, Sheikh Adnan where we can just take questions, inshallah. One says, how are you guys preparing for Ramadan? Maybe if you could ask, uh, answer that first. Uh, so basically what I was saying is... Uh, a little bit differently and say that 
how should a Muslim prepare for Ramadan, especially considering the circumstances we are in? I, I've just been basically strengthening my relationship with the Quran or trying to, to do so. Uh, so I can answer that personally as well. And I think that's what the people of the past would do is they'd focus on the Quran as Ramadan near, uh, came near and then in Ramadan as well. Uh, they'd also just recite the Quran, read it, ponder it, try and practice upon it as much as uh, possible. So I've just been trying to do that, alhamdulillah, and I hope that bi'idhmillah, that can grant me a more faithful uh, and, you know, uh, belief-based uh, Ramadan, inshallah. Amen. And exactly what you mentioned, some, sometimes people think that, uh, you know what, when Ramadan comes, that's when I'll go all out and I'll be able to read one Jews or three Jews or how many ever Jews and I'll do so many khatams, etc. What they don't realize that it's not, you know, you don't just get there. You have to begin before that. It's like when you want to play a professional sport or you want to do something, there's practice involved. You have to get into the routine. You have to get used to it. And you basically have to get a feel for it. So sometimes people become disheartened. They think that, oh, Ramadan has come the first three days. They've read and they've achieved their goals. After that, they fizzle out. So with a few days still remaining, as you mentioned with the Quran, Try and start from now. And you know, you build up slowly, slowly. You know, i sorry to dive no, go here, but an interesting point is I was watching somebody when it comes to, uh, they play professional sports. One of the things they mentioned was, we practice, 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 and we want to peak at a certain event so we can win. So look, they're practicing slowly, 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 and eventually they peak. So let this practice or begin from now. So you can peak in Ramadan. In Ramadan, wow. Uh, and in that is a practical example from, from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he would fast the most in Sha'ban. Uh, because obviously this was leading up to Ramadan, which was going to be a month of fasting. Uh, although we know that he wouldn't fast a whole month consecutively except in uh, Ramadan. So... Subhanallah, that just fits in with exactly what you were saying, and uh, I think that's absolutely important. So, any, any other questions? We can take perhaps one more, bismillah, and then sign out. Can you spot any Sheikh I think somebody was speaking about Qada. I think they're talking about where they have a lot of uh, missed fasts, they've uh, missed quite a few. Basically, that's a, a long topic. And if, let's say, you've got about two weeks left and uh, you're able to fast, you've got a few fasts left, you can fit them in, start from now. There's no point in saying now that, you know, if you've got 30 fasts left, for example, and there's only 15 days left, there's no point in saying start with qada first for 30 days and then no. What you do is do whatever qada you're able to do now. And then when Ramadan comes, you fast Ramadan. Then after Ramadan, you look at the other fasts you missed. Yes, yes, yes. SubhanAllah. There's another very good question, but I don't know if we want to take it. Uh, can a Muslim donate the organs after death with the intention of saving another life? Uh, I'll leave that to you to, to answer. Perhaps we can give them, uh, refer them, or maybe we could refer them to the local uh, IFTA committees, etc. I think that would be better. And also you must remember donating organs when people are still alive, when people have passed away, when it comes to the organs themselves, the scholars have, uh, we're not talking about selling organs. I think it's first, 
we must mention that when it comes to selling organs, we are not talking about that. Because what happens now if somebody is poor and you know he sees his young son and then he tries to take an organ and sell it here and say, no, we are not talking about that. Let's say somebody is donating their organs. The scholars, when looking at it, obviously there's a lot of detail that's been mentioned. They look at the actual organ. Is it something that grows again, uh, like a liver or that sort? So that's when it comes to donating when you are still alive. Then they also speak about what happens after death, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you own your body? Do you not own it? Again, ask your local IFTA committee. There's a lot of detail that's been mentioned in this masala. to the viewers. It's been lovely having you on uh, once again. And inshallah, we'll meet uh, on Tuesday again. Is it Tuesday? Monday, sorry. So basically, uh, if we get confused with the days, we are every alternate day, inshallah. Yes, every alternate day. Yes, every alternate day, Again, somebody is mentioning about organs. I think it's best to go to your IFTA committee. There's a lot of detail that's been mentioned and they will guide you accordingly, bi-ibnillah. Barakallahu feekum. Salaamu alaykum. Till next time. Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.